I want to talk to you today about calling. And uh, it's an integral piece or thought related to the passage that we are, we've come to as a congregation in the book of Acts. So I'm going to read from Acts chapter 13, 1 to 3. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who were brought, uh, brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, we, we know him as Paul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit set apart, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Now when I, when I read those, those passages, um, I'm challenged by the idea that God explicitly and specifically called Barnabas and Saul to a mission that he had planned for them. And, and actually it turned out for both of them, and we know more about Saul, of course, or Paul, it, it turned out to be their life's work. And so, like you, I'm sure, my mind runs to just a bunch of questions about this idea of, of calling. What's all involved in this idea of calling? And so, I have a list of questions that, that, that I thought of that I'm just the tip of the iceberg, quite frankly, around this idea of calling. So, uh, does everyone have a calling? Uh, if not, is a calling only reserved for those who work in professional ministry? If everyone has a calling, is it primarily about a job or, or a role? Is it precise? Is God's calling for me precise? Or is it, or is it more, more general? So this morning I want us to unpack, unpackage this idea, this concept a little bit of calling. And uh, ultimately I really want us to be able to do some introspection and, and uh, to see how we are um, relating to this concept of calling. And, and I find Ephesians 4, I find Ephesians just so helpful, but Ephesians 4 is helpful in this regard when it comes to this idea of calling. Ephesians 4.1 starts with this. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Now, I know he's, he's writing to a specific church, but we also know that he writes to other churches on other occasions about calling as well. And we know that other people, like Peter, wrote about calling, God's call on our life. And so I think it's safe to assume that each believer has been called. God has called each believer. They have a calling. I think implicit in this is if there's a call, it's to something, which means that it's away from something. And certainly we know that as believers in Jesus Christ, we've been called out of our old life and our old selves and into a new life, into our new selves. Let's continue with Ephesians 4. So if we all have a calling, what's, what 
what's included in, in that calling? Well, it's not what I would have thought. <laughs> I remember Oz Guinness wrote a book called The Call. And I was at a point in my life that, that I was really seeking God's direction in my life. And I thought, oh, Oz Guinness, that guy's awesome. He'll know everything. He wrote a book called The Call. And I read that book because I wanted to know more about my call and my calling. That guy didn't talk about what I expected him to talk about. It wasn't about, you know, somehow working with God and somehow getting a revelation from God, that a revelation that would uh, kind of give me specific direction as to what I was supposed to do in my life and, and, and that sort of thing. That's what I was looking for. But Otis didn't go there. I remember being disappointed in the book at the time, but now I see the wisdom in the book. Because the wisdom of the book is that our calling has something to do with what Paul writes the Ephesians. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And so when I look at that, I, it seems to suggest that our calling is, first of all, I get that idea that it's, it's to a character change. To be humble, to be gentle, to be patient, to bear with others. And when I think of Jesus Christ, I think of those things. And so I think the call has to do with being Christ-like. I also see in those words an orthodoxy. Big fancy word just to mean something that we all believe. And there's orthodoxy there. We are to adhere to. We are to all have the same belief. One belief. One hope. One faith. And so I am called to a set of beliefs. I am called to uh, an orthodoxy. So I'm called to character development. And I'm called to an orthodoxy. But then I'm also called not to a lifeless institution or organization in which I get a membership card. I am called to an organism called the body of Christ. A living, breathing, dynamic, growing body. <laughs> it's a wonderful picture. It's a body. It's, a, it's an entity that has identity, and its identity is drawn from Christ. So I am also called to a body. So I think it's clear that our calling, at the very least, includes being called out of our old way of life, our old life of death, living in darkness and, and hopelessness, being a slave to Satan, being a slave to our passions, and living in isolation. We're called from that into our new way of life. A life of life to the full. A life of light and of hope and of freedom and a life of community. So I believe that that is part of, at least, 
as Paul talks about living a life that's worthy of our calling, and then he goes on to sort of outline what calling is, I believe these things are what our calling is all about. But Paul continues in Ephesians 4, and in verse 7 we read these words. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. So if I am supposed to live a life worthy of the calling that I've been given, I am supposed to have a character change. I am supposed to become more like Christ. I am supposed to adhere to and defend and believe in a set of beliefs about who God is and who I am and what his plan for this world is. So there's an orthodoxy. I am called to a body of believers, the body of Christ. I am called to that, but I'm also called to serve it. I've been given a gift. Every, every believer has been given a gift. And it's a gift that serves the body of Christ and the purposes of God in this world. I'm supposed to identify it. I'm supposed to use it, and I'm supposed to perfect those gifts. Paul writes about these gifts in, in, in more detail in other letters. Let's take, for example, 1 Corinthians 12. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miracles miraculous powers, to prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So included in our calling is this God-given gift that we are given to use to help up the to build up the body of Christ for the common good are the words he uses. So our calling involves being called into a new way of life. It involves character development, becoming like Christ. It involves using the gift that God has given us in service to the body of Christ and to his purposes. But what about the unique calling that we read about in our passage from Acts? Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Am I to expect that level of direction in my life? And my answer to you is perhaps. <laughs> Political answer, isn't it? But I need it. It seems that the breadth of Scripture would suggest that some are called to a specific vocation to a specific calling. Let's return to Ephesians 4. After challenging the Ephesian church to live up to their calling by being like Christ and serving the body with their gifts, Paul writes this, So Christ himself, so Christ himself is important, gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all 
reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure and fullness of Christ. I believe this indicates that some believers are called to specific roles and still others are called to specific vocations. In the time that this was written, most of the people who were evangelist pastors and teachers and prophets and apostles, many of them would have already had another vocation or another career. But let's put that aside just for a second. There's a ministry called the Theology of Work Project. There's a ministry for everything. <laughs> but this is a ministry that looks at the relationship and looks at the scriptures for guidance on Christians and their work. How are Christians supposed to relate to that which we do so much of during our days? Our work, our careers, our vocations. This is what they say. If by calling we mean a direct, unmistakable command from God to take up a particular task, job, profession, or type of work, then calling is very rare in the Bible. No more than a hundred or so people were called by God in this sense. And many of them were, in the conventional sense, ministry-type jobs. But there were the people like kings, the kings of Israel. But then there was more conventional types, like the priests and the prophets. And they list all of these people and their jobs that they had, that they were specifically called by God to take up that specific vocation. And some of you might be wondering, like, what about unconventional ministry vocations or careers? People like lawyers and bankers and farmers and teachers and all that. Does the Bible speak about calling in relation to these types of vocations? Well, actually it does, <laughs> but in a very limited way. doesn't happen a whole lot, but here, for example, is the word that uh, Moses received from God. He said, see, I have chosen Bezalel, Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding and knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold and silver and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Moreover, I have appointed... Oh, yeah. Son of, uh, yeah, of the tribe of Dan to help him. Also, I've given him ability, or also I've given ability to all the skilled workers to make everything I've commanded you. And so God is giving commands to Moses on how he's going to build the tent of meeting and how he's going to build a um, place of worship. And, and it's very precise. And, and, and he actually says, um, this is the guy I have, I'm calling, I'm skilled and gifted, and I want him to be a craftsman on this project. And so we do see, in a limited sense, people that are called to specific life work or vocations or careers. 
more in ministries that are more conventional, like pastoring or being an evangelist or being a missionary, but less and less uh, people who are called to specific roles that are more unconventional. But it happens. <laughs> Definitely happens in Scripture. And then, of course, we are told of the Apostle Paul. And although he was called as an apostle, we just read about that in our passage of Scripture in Acts, he was called as a missionary, he was also a tent maker. He made tents. <laughs> he was a craftsman. We read in Acts 18 these words, After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and there he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. So here we have Paul, who is called as a missionary, as an apostle, as a teacher, as a leader in the church, but he is making his cash by being a tent maker. So his vocation his career is enabling his calling. So, here are some general conclusions that I would get from the experiences of the people of God, the called, in the Bible. Each Christian has been called by God out of their old life into a new life. You're sitting here, you're called. How much have you realized the stark departure from your old life? And how much have you experienced of this new life that you've been called into? Each Christian has been called to be transformed into the likeness of Christ, to be changed, to be a new person, a new creation. You're sitting here. How much have you experienced change in your life? Or have you simply been called and stayed your same? Not changed, in other words. And basically said, this is who I am, take it or leave it. It's not how it is. It's not what your calling requires. Next, each Christian has been called to use their spiritual gifts for the kingdom of God. Do you know your gift? Let's start there. Are you using your gift for the benefit of the body of Christ? You are given opportunity within this church to do so. We are getting away from a program that shuts you out of sharing your gifts. So even if your gift is prophecy, or your gift is knowledge, you would be given the opportunity within our regular get-together 
to share and use your gift. And so, are you using your gift? And not all gifts are like that. As I said, that Paul writes about gifts in other ways. And some have gifts of service. And some of you are remarkable in the gift of service. So um, some, is hosp- some have the gift of hospitality and some are wonderful in hospitality. So don't get me wrong. Like, it, it's not just what happens here on a Sunday morning. But we are needy. <laughs> I think we're doing well. Don't, I don't, we're doing really well. But, but I think we're still needy in the way of what calling has made available to us when it comes to using the full range of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so I, as a pastor, am going to make sure that if you are a person who has been given knowledge like so many did today, you're going to have the opportunity to exercise that gift in this church. Okay, so you'll notice I said each Christian, each Christian, each Christian. And then I say, because this is what Scripture seems to indicate. Some Christians have been called to full-time careers. Whether they are conventional ministry or unconventional ministry. So whether it's pastoring or being a doctor. Dare I say a lawyer for Christ? (laughs) But some definitely are called to that. So that's not out of the realm of possibility. And some could be here who actually have had that calling placed on their life. And they know what that's like. And they've pursued it. And they've refined it. And they've experienced it. But there also could be some within our congregation who are resisting it. God could be calling you into some kind of full-time vocation. But I want to say this. And I think this is super important, but it also seems really super controversial for some reason. And that is this. Career is always subordinate to calling. Your career is not who defi- what, what defines you. Your calling is. Your career is subordinate to your calling. So your career could be something that God, or that you have pursued, but it's to fit into your calling. It's to fit into it. It's to be subordinate to your calling. The most important thing in your life is your calling. Now, what is your calling? Let's review. To be Christ-like. Your career is subordinate to that. So that you don't have one guy in his career who bends the rules and has a very shaky reputation and another guy who has a calling to be Christ-like. That is hypocrisy, right? You can't have the two. You are to be Christ-like as a farmer. You are to be Christ-like as a banker, as a lawyer, as a chef, whatever. You are to be Christ-like. 
It is subordinate to it. What else is calling? Calling is using our spiritual gifts. And so it is subordinate to your career. And so your passion, your great passion, is to fulfill your calling. Your great passion is not the imbalance that we see so often in churches and amongst Christians where their career comes first, and then if there's any time left, they'll do something in the church. No. Your priority, your life is your calling. What you do to make money is subordinate to that. And there are instances where your calling and your career mesh. (laughs) But once again, that's not all of us. More often than not, we're much more like Paul, who was a tent maker, Monday to Friday, 9 to 5. But we know him, don't we? We don't know him as the tent maker. It's not even like, that's it. We find out he's a tent maker. But we know him as a guy who wrote more than half of the New Testament. We know him as a teacher. We know him as an evangelist. We know him as a missionary because he had the balance right. He understood that career is subordinate to calling. Well, besides the scriptural record of the experience of the call of godly people through scripture and how we see, you know, make, we can make assumptions from reading scripture and, and kind of seeing how this whole idea of calling worked out in scripture. There are other scriptures that provide some insight. And this is just, I say these very quickly and briefly in closing. But I think it will reinforce what I've said about one's career or vocation being subordinate to one's calling. For instance, when Paul wrote to the Corinthians, there were some who were slaves who had become Christians, and therefore they figured their career changed. (laughs) If you can be a slave and have a career. (laughs) What's your career? I'm a slave. (laughs) Some of you think that way anyway. (laughs) Because look what he says here. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you. Although, if you can gain your freedom, do so. You see how that sort of puts into perspective this whole idea of what you do for your living versus what your calling is? Good, if you can get free, awesome. (laughs) I want to be free too. For the one who was a slave when called to the faith in the Lord is the Lord's free person. Similarly, the one who was free when called is Christ's slave. So we're all slaves. You were, brought at, you were bought at a price. Do not become a slave of human beings. And then I love this. Brothers and sisters, each person is responsible to God should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. So calling trumps vocation. It doesn't change your vocation. Here's another one. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do, This is the important part. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So whether you are a plumber or you are a pastor, do it all as unto the Lord. 
I have to tell you, it is, you know, people say it's hard to be a pastor. And I would say to you, it's in many respects easy to be a pastor because people assume and ascribe to you stuff that isn't true about you. They think you're holier than you are, more righteous, you know? And you get a buy on a lot of stuff. People make assumptions about you, right? Well, he's a pastor. He must be. No. <laughs> Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. And then I love, I love what Mamba shared there because it, it's so in keeping. Last one. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. If you're wondering, you know, what my calling is, do I have a calling in relation to vocation, right? Actually, you might, but more often than not, you should follow your passion. Maybe it's a dream. Follow your dream. You should follow that God-given sort of Excitement that you have. I, my, my son, you know, my son uh, Mitchell, um, you know, the other day I, I said to him, you know, he, he, he studies African history. And he will do that probably the rest of his life. He's going to be a prop. I know he will be. Uh, but African history. And I said to him, Mitch, you found your calling. <laughs> I really feel like he has in that regard. Because he's it's just, it's his passion. You know, it just makes sense. You should do that. And so we're to follow the desires of our heart. But there's a condition, and it's at the beginning, right? Take delight in the Lord. Delight in the Lord. Get excited about the Lord. Be all about the Lord. And then he will give you the desires of your heart. And so to young people who are at those pivotal ages where they're trying to decide what they want to do, they're like, oh, I, you know, they're bashing themselves. You know, they're, they're just, you know, just killing themselves, trying to figure out what the Lord's will. Like, and they think of it as a career, you know. What needs to be told to them and what I tell them is it's, a, it's about other things. <laughs> Not so much how you're going to make money. <clears throat> but how do you make money? Go after that which makes you excited and you're passionate about it. Go for it. That's good and that's right. And that seems to be scriptural based on what I can see in the scriptures. All right. So my question to us all here is, are you living a life worthy of your calling? Are you allowing Christ through the Holy Spirit, to change you into Christ-likeness? Are you, I should start with, are you forsaking the old life? Are you embracing your new life? Are you becoming like Christ? Are you using God's gifts that he's given to you for the benefit and the service of the body of Christ? Are you supposed to be a specific career for Christ? That's very possible. But not everybody has to kind of seek hard after that. 
You know, it, it's funny because people people had this impression, I don't know, they probably still do have the impression that, you know, like, well, um, you know, don't, you know, don't think of, or think of the worst thing, and that's probably what God wants you to do, right? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, afraid of, I'm afraid of snakes, so God wants to send you to this nation that is overrun by snakes. You know, that's just the way God is. That's what calling's all about, doing what you don't want to do. Well, it's not at all. Calling is much bigger than that, and it can be specific, but even in its specificity, it's usually not against the desires of your heart. So, are you living a life worthy of your calling? Are you forsaking your old life? Are you being transformed into the likeness of Christ? Are you using the gift that God has given to you, or gifts that God has given to you, to serve the body of Christ? And are you, perhaps, open to the idea that he might have a very specific calling for you. And it might be a specific thing, like becoming a pastor. Um, I'm going to take two more minutes, and that's my story. I was, um, I followed my passions. First of all, I went to college. Uh, in, I got into pre-med. Uh, I spent one day, not even a day, one class in pre-med. <laughs> and I walked down to admissions, and I said, I want to study history. And I was in pre-med because I had a brother-in-law who's a brilliant doctor. And I, he said, oh, you should do this. And I thought, oh, yeah, doctor, that sounds right. <laughs> but then I decided to, to follow my passion, which was history. And so then I became a teacher. And I worked uh, 16 years as a guidance counselor. But during those 60 years, 16 years as a guidance counselor, I was following my calling because I was, I was active in the church. I was uh, ex- using my gift of teaching and in leadership. And I was pursuing my calling and trying to live out my calling. But at one point, my desire turned to, I, I need to do this all the time. This, this going to the school is getting in the way, Jesus. I, I don't want to keep doing that. I, I need those eight hours because I want to serve the Lord with all my heart. And so my calling took on a specificity and I went into full-time vocational ministry. But I wasn't out of the will of God when I was a guidance counselor in high school at all. Right? I wasn't out of the will of God. I was still following my calling. But my calling became more specific when I became um, got into full-time work in, in ministry. And so that I share you with that with you just so that to, to provide some perspective to this idea of what calling is. Just because we've been called doesn't mean that we are realizing that calling. (laughs) You are called, but that doesn't mean you're realizing the calling, and God calls us to realize the calling in our life. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, this account of the Apostle Paul, who 
was a tent maker and yet at the same time uh, was fulfilling his calling in being an evangelist, a missionary, uh, an apostle. Lord, I just pray that we would live out the calling, that we in fact would uh, live a life worthy of the calling that you have given to us. Lord, work in our hearts by your Holy Spirit, challenge us on all these points, because we really do want to live a life worthy of that calling. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great evening.